I want you to turn to, not before we get to Acts 23, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. And I want our lads to turn there. Um, William, David, AJ, and Hudson, I want you to open your Bibles especially to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27, because this is the background for what we're going to talk about today. You all know that Paul's life was not easy. From the time he got saved and went to gone to Damascus, his life was tough. Battle after battle. And 2 Corinthians is all about the battles he faced. Well, what we're going to be looking at the next few weeks are where he encountered some of these battles. We're going to find out some of the things he dealt with. So I want the boys to look at 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. And there's a whole list of struggles that that um that Paul went through. So I'd like you guys to look there. Have you found them, boys? Alright, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. And I want you to just begin on verse 23. Paul writes, um, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. So let's see, let's find out starting. He talks about labors. William, you want to start? He talks about in labors of he talks about having something beyond measure. Do you see it? Two Corinthians. Two Corinthians eleven. What's that? What's that? That's fine. I hope you don't. I hope the adults don't mind me incorporating the kids into the service. It's all of our church, so I hope you don't get too troubled by being patient with this. What's the first thing he saw? Are you there yet? What's the first thing he suffered? William, do you see it? Eleven, verse twenty-three. You see it? Okay, speak as a fool. And now he starts talking about the things he had to do. And labors, what does it say? Labors more abundant. What do you think labors are? What's the late? Yes. Uh, Hudson. He had work. He had a lot of work to do. What's the next? Can you see the next thing, David, after labors? Say it again. He was in prison. All right. Is there another one in there, guys? AJ, can you find one? He was in prison. There's one in between. After abundant. It's after abundant. You see the word stripes or beatings? Yeah, okay, he was beaten. He was in jail. Something else. Um, Hudson, can you find one? Deaths. Deaths. He, a lot of people died when he was ministering. Uh, what about verse 24? How many beatings did they receive from the Jews? Let's come back up. Do you want to try it, William? 40 stripes. 40 stripes or 40 minus 1. All right, 39 beatings. How many times was he beaten with rods, David? Verse 25. Three times he was beaten with rods. How many times was he stoned, uh, Hudson? Once. How many times was he shipwrecked, AJ? Three. How long, William, did he spend in the ocean? A day and a half in the ocean. 
and it goes on and on and on, and journeys off, and in perils of waters, and in um, in in, in uh, perils of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen. He was imperiled by the Gentile in the city in the wilderness, in perils of the sea, and in perils among the false brethren. He was tired and he worked hard. He got no sleep. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He didn't didn't get to eat. He was cold. He was naked. Doesn't sound like a great time, does it? Alright? That's what he went through. Keep those things in your head, boys. You might need them later. Alright? Now, we're going to turn now. Here's a whole list of those trials. But I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 23. The next few chapters that we're going to look at are all about Paul getting to Rome. Remember we talked about, before we took a break for several weeks, about how Paul had this desire from the very beginning to go minister in Rome. And nothing was going to stop him from going to Rome. Um, great. And if Paul had one focus. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to make, make disciples. And historically, this is a fascinating section. Let me explain what Paul was going to go through here. Paul had two legal bodies he had to deal with. Who's the first people who put him on trial? Do you know? The Jews put him on trial. And then he had to be on trial before who else? AJ? The Gentiles or the, the, the authorities, the Roman authorities. So he keeps getting bounced back and forth between the Jewish officials and the Roman officials. Anybody else? Can you remember anybody else in their trial who got bounced back and forth between the Jewish councils and the local officials? Kind of like Jesus, isn't it? Alright? Because he did the same thing. Now we're not going to go through all that. We're not going to go through every trial. I am going to talk about them a bit. But we're going to look at some key aspects of how Paul endures his trials. And there's three things that stick out in this chapter. Um, three things that stick out here that God wants us to respect authorities. We're going to find that out very on. God wants us to respect those in authority. The second is, is that Jesus will finish the work that He gives us to do. And the third thing, this is exciting, this is where you lads are going to love it, that God can use anybody, even a young lad, to do miraculous things. Alright, so the last one is going to be especially exciting because Jesus uses somebody who may not have been a whole lot older than the guys in this room, the young guys in this room. So let's, 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 let's uh, so the, um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm not going to read about the trials. I'll tell you what's going on. And then we'll pick up these three key lessons. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the chance to be here this morning. I pray that you might bless this lesson. Father, he, Paul is going to be going through a lot of stuff here. He's going to be tried by, I think he's going to face four or five different court trials. And Lord, we're going to face trials in our life as well. There's some lessons that Paul is going to learn that we need to apply to our lives. Help us to see it from these chapters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first of all, we find Paul before the Jewish council. Starts in the last verse of chapter 22. Um, The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from the bonds and commanded the chief priest and all the council uh, to appear and they brought Paul down and set him before them. So, do you know what the problem was with Paul? Why, why, is it, why was it so hard to conduct the trial? Do you know, can you figure out why? Because Paul didn't do anything wrong. 
The Jews just wanted Paul off the scene. Why do you think the Jews wanted Paul off the scene? Anybody have a guess? AJ. Okay. Paul was teaching things that went against them. By this time, the Jewish officials were really important and they thought they were important. So Paul said, Paul was preaching about Jesus. And this made the Jews mad. So they tried him, but they couldn't find anything to convict him of. And then they find out that he's a Roman citizen. So there's all kinds of difficulties going on here. Uh, Paul was looking earnestly. Paul came in in verse 23, chapter 23, verse 1. He stood before the council. Men and brethren, I've lived in a good conscience before God until this day. Paul could stand there and say honestly, I have done nothing wrong. I've done nothing against the Jewish law. I've done nothing against the Roman law. He had a clear conscience. And that's kind of an introduction. We could have included that too, couldn't we? We need to make sure, all of us need to make sure, that the lives we live, we can live in a good conscience. That we know that we're doing our best, that we're, we're doing the right things. There's nothing that we can be found guilty of. Now sure, we're all sinners. We're going to, we're going to deal with sin. But at the same time, Paul could say, I'm coming before you with a good conscience. Men and brethren, I've lived in good conscience. Then the high priest Ananias, look at verse 2. You like this, boys. What did the high priest do to Paul, guys, in verse 2? <laughs> what does it say? Yeah, this is wild. It doesn't sound like Bible, does it? What did he, what did, what did he do, Hudson? What does that mean? He punched Paul in the mouth. Alright? Can you imagine that in the trial? He took his fist, he balled up, and he punched Paul in the mouth for being cheeky, I guess. Now how would you how would any of us, not just these guys, how would you well how would you respond if you're in court and all of a sudden the bailiff walks over and takes you and smacks you in the mouth? How would you respond to that? In the courtroom. Probably, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it would be. And, but look how Paul responds. Paul, Paul, does, Paul responds in the flesh. Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit to judge me according to the law. Do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? It was against the law for this guy to punch Paul in the mouth. And he says, you whitewash, I love that phrase, a whitewash grave. He calls, the, he calls this bailiff for this official a, a, the, a whitewashed grave, a whitewashed grave. He said, you accused me of breaking the law and you broke the law. Alright? He did. This is so human, so real. It talks about what life can really be like. But I want you to see what happens next. And those who stood by him said, do you revile God's high priest? Alright, that, that was again, you couldn't do that. You couldn't talk badly. I want you to see what Paul says next. Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you will not speak evil of the ruler of your people. That teaches the very first lesson of the day. The first lesson of the day is that the Bible says that Christians should respect the law and respect authorities. That means teachers... It means parents, it means government officials, 
that we have to respect the law. Did it seem like Paul should respect the guy who just punched him in the mouth? No. All right? Are your the ruler are rulers always going to do the right thing? No. They got to make big mistakes, and not just mistakes, are they going to do wrong things on purpose? Of course they are. But here is the point where Paul says, I should not revile the high priest. You shall not revile those who are in authority. First rule is, is that we, we need all of us, from the youngest child to the oldest citizen, we all need to respect the authorities, even when they do bad things or they do ignorant things. That means we're not allowed to insult our leaders. We can talk about policies, we can talk about government decisions, but we need to respect those who are in authority. If I'm not going to go. I'm not going to look there. But do you remember um, the three Hebrew children, the the fire, the whole um, fiery furnace bit. Anybody remember the names of the Hebrew children who went in the fiery furnace? Any of you got? Any of you boys remember the names of the guys who went in the fiery furnace? Shad. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach. You have one. Abednego. All right. These guys. They were. They would not bow down to the to the king's statue, and they were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And was that wasn't just? It wasn't even. The, it was. It was totally unjust. And they didn't go around marketing or marching with picket signs. They went to the king, and here's a summary of what they said. They said, they said, and respected him, O king. And they said, God give you favor to the guy who was getting ready to kill them. They were very polite. They were not rebellious. They did what they said this. They said, King, it's in your hands. It's not really up to you. God's in charge of this situation. And they said politely, God's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still can't obey this law. And all of us guys, all of us, especially adults at this stage, there may come the time when we are forced to disobey a government law. The way things are changing. I was in um, youth reach this week. I don't want to say too much about this. But there's a, there, the, our youth reach is celebrating a certain social aspect of our modern culture that I can't, I can't stand behind. I have no problems with the people. I love people. But they're having a week to celebrate an aspect of our culture that's becoming really big time these days. And they wanted us to dress up and get involved and uh, really kick in and show the kids an example of being involved in this. And I had to respectfully tell my boss I couldn't do that. I, I, I have, I'll come to work. I'll treat everybody the same. I'll show every child respect. I'll honor every child no matter what they're, what they're, who they are, what they're doing. But I can't take part in your activities. And she was a bit taken aback at first. But I think that's just the first sign of what's going to be happening to us in, as, as the time goes by. If we don't conform to the world's celebrations and what the world is honoring, we're going to face trouble. And we may have to one day say, no, I can't obey that law. If that day comes, we need to be able to do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. When Peter and John were before the um, Jewish officials, they ordered them not to preach. They could not obey the law. But how did they treat it? 
what did they do? Do you remember what happened with these guys? They said, we need to obey God instead of man. So the first thing we notice from Paul is the fact that he taught them that we have to show respect to authority. Key measure. No matter how bad our trials get, we have to make sure that we show respect to authorities. Um, God, God makes that very clear. and God says things like honor the king. Um, so consistently through the word of God, we find out the principle of obeying authority. So what happens here? Um, Paul comes down. We, we, uh, the next thing that happens is Paul perceived that part were Sadducees and part Pharisees. He cried to the council, Men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. And Paul said, You're only judging me because I believe in the resurrection. That's why you're treating me the way that you're treating me. Caused a huge division. So they decided the next thing they could do, they weren't going to deal with it anymore. And they decided that they were going to put Paul in prison. They were taking him by force. Taking him to to the prison barracks to be held captive. All right, that's what that is. So they decide. Now we get down to verse 11. The second major point is the fact that God is going to do his work. Following night, the Lord stood by him and said to Paul, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you will also bear witness in Rome. God encouraged Paul and said, I'm, You're going to do, I'm, you're, I'm going to, you're going to do what I've called you to do. Just like you preached the gospel in Jerusalem. You're going to preach the gospel in Rome. And the truth there is, is that we can be assured that if God has begun a work in us, God will perform that work until the work is accomplished. There's even a verse that says that, isn't there? He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're also told during the race and, and that Jesus is called the author and the finisher of our faith. God will give us the strength to do what we're called to do. When the Lord led us here, many years ago, we had that big, we lost everybody in the church. And the Lord used this verse, and he used the verse that said, Don't be weary and well doing. For you see, you shall reap if you think not. God wants to keep doing the work for us. No matter how bad it gets, God wants to do a work in us, and God will carry us through if we just stay faithful to Him. So God will carry us through the most difficult times, and Paul could be encouraging that. You know why? You know why Paul needed this? Because he's fixing, he's fixing to have. He's about to have a terrible time. His journey to Rome is going to be. He's going to be bitten by a snake. He's going to be in a shipwreck. He's going to be starving to death. He's going to, as we read earlier, the boys read earlier. He's going to be floating in the oceans for time. It's going to be a terrible time, and God knew that was coming. So God told Paul. Just like you preach the gospel here, you're preaching the gospel in Rome. Now, I don't know what work God has given each of us, but we can be assured that the work that God started in us, He is going to accomplish. We can take the same words that God told Paul. He did a great work there. He can do a great work for us, no matter where He, where he comes with. God will not give up on us. Um, okay? Two major points. The first thing is, is, is that we must respect authorities. Secondly, God's going to carry us through our trouble. Um, now, hold on. Got my notes confused. Okay. 
Now we come down to uh, verse 12 follows after this. Exciting times here, verse 12. When it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath. Look, look, look here, guys. Saying that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. And there were 40 of them. What did the guys say they were not going to do, boys, in verse 12 until Paul was dead? What are they, they going to do? David, do you know? They're going to do what? They're not going to eat or drink until what happens? Until Paul is dead. They were serious about hating Paul, weren't they? I couldn't hardly go in the afternoon. We have fast days. It's all I can do to make it to fast break after 12 or 14 hours. Can you imagine saying, we're not going to eat or drink. They took an oath. They were serious about killing Paul. They were tired of him. He had caused way too much trouble. He divided the council. Um, he was preaching about Jesus. And how many of them in the next verse, boys, how many of them together did this? In the next verse, 13, I think it is? 40 men. had decided they were not going to eat or drink until Paul was dead. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Uh, so uh, let me say this. So they came to the chief priest and the elders, and they said, "We are bound ourselves under an oath that we will eat or drink nothing until Paul, until we have killed Paul." Now you therefore, they set a plan. They have a plan to get him killed. Here's the plan. Now you therefore, together with the council, suggested to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow, as though they were giving him further inquiries during the trial. But we're ready to kill him when he comes near. Alright, anybody see that verse? They're going to move Paul from where he is back to the courtroom. Everybody see that? Everybody see what's happening here? They're going to move Paul from where he, the barracks he's in down to the courtroom. But what are these 40 guys going to do before he gets to the courtroom? How did you see it? They're going to ambush him and they're going to kill him on the way there. Wouldn't this make a great movie? Can you see this? Wouldn't this be a fantastic movie? Moving him down the road and all that kind of stuff. So they said they're going to set an ambush. Um, so uh, suggest commander he has brought down to you tomorrow and we're going to kill him on the way. But somehow, look at verse 16. This is so cool. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Look at verse 16. Somehow, Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush. He went and entered the barracks and he told Paul. What do we call your sister's... What, 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 who, would, who, would, who would he be to Paul? Do you know what that's called? Paul's sister's son. That's his nephew. That would be just like, in, in our case, that would be like... Um, be like Uncle Owen. Alright? Uncle Owen is going to be in trouble. Alright, even the table is better. I get all these nieces and nephews confused. It would be like your dad is going to be arrested and Kian hearing about it. It's his sister's son. There's another picture of that, alright? He's his nephew. Now, the way this is said here, the word used here, um, I've read a lot of commentaries about how old the nephew's son was, or the, that Paul's sister's son, Paul's nephew was. But we have no idea really how old he was. He might have been a young adult. 
But most commentators think because of the way the whole thing is structured that he was just a, just a young lad who just happened to overhear what they were going to do. Either way, it was somebody you wouldn't think would play this big a role. He was nobody important. He was no, we don't even know the guy's name. But he changed the entire course of history for the church. Because he had the courage, when he heard about the plot, he had the courage to go to the officials and tell them what he heard. They, wanted, they were going to kill him. Um, Paul, or this, this nephew, he goes to Paul. Um, somehow the nephew had been made aware of the, the decision that was made. And Paul goes and realizing that Paul was in danger, he came to Paul and Paul called one of the centurions, one of the guards. He says, take this young man, that's the key word there, take this young man to the commander for he has something to tell him. Can you imagine? Let's just say he was, let's just get it close. Let's just say he was 14, okay? Let's say you're 14 years old, guys, and there's these 40 men who have sworn they're not going to eat or drink until Paul is dead. You hear about the ambush, and you go tell your uncle about it, and your uncle says, I want you to go tell the court official about this. You think you'd have the courage to do it? What about any of us? Do any of us think we'd have the courage to do it? What do you think is going to happen if he gets caught knowing what he knows to warn the court official? What's going to happen to him? He's going to go warn about the ambush. Probably be arrested and killed, wouldn't he? Because they want to kill Paul. How serious are they about killing Paul? They're not going to eat or drink for 40 days. So they're serious. So he, he goes to the courtroom and he tells the, tells the official what was going on. He related the story exactly as he heard. He took him, he brought him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He's got something to say to you. And the commander took him by the hand, went aside and said privately, what is it that you, what do you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow. And though they were given, uh, going to inquire more fully about him, but don't do what they say, for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him who have bound themselves by an oath. They're not going to eat, not going to drink until they've killed Paul. They're lying in wait in ambush, waiting for the prisoner from you. You know what an ambush is? An ambush, you know what an ambush is, don't you, AJ? What is it? They're going to ambush them, all right? So, here's Paul. Going to be transported. And he's going down the road. They've got a plot. They're going to ambush and kill Paul, except for the intervention of Paul's nephew. Now, what happens is is that the, 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 the court sends a huge detachment. Um, I don't know. The, I don't remember the exact number. There's guys on horseback and there's soldiers. He sends a huge attachment to protect Paul. But the lesson is here is that sometimes we don't think we're very important. We can say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I've never written a book. I'm nobody, I'm nobody famous. I'm just little old me in this little old town of Nace. And how can God really use me in a big way? I've felt that way sometimes. Um, sitting here, pastoring a nice little church, lovely little church in Nace. How is God going to use me? 
How is God going to use Nace Baptist Fellowship? We have no idea. Paul's nephew, though, was willing to do what God wanted. Something, and, and it was a scary thing to do. He could have been killed for what he was doing. But what would have happened? How would history have changed if Paul's nephew hadn't spoken? Any ideas? Even from the adults? Paul would never have got to Rome. And if Paul didn't get to Rome, who, know, who knows what might have happened? Christianity could have died in its infancy. Except for this young guy doing what he needed to do. God can use anybody. If he can use Paul's nephew. My goodness, if he can use Paul of all people. God can use you and God can use me. So they intervene and they get in and the guard takes care of him. And um, he, gets, he, he goes to the last part of the trial. Um, there's a letter of protection to, to Festus. Paul is going to be sent now to Festus, who is another, um, who is, an, is a Roman official. They came to, um, yeah, uh, Festus is the governor of the area, like the, the, the Roman official in charge of Judea. And he's going to go to Festus, and Paul is going to have an amazing opportunity to preach to Festus about the gospel. A little bit disjointed because I'm trying to pick out major points of a big historical event. But there are three major things we need to learn from today's lesson. Paul was in threat. Paul was under threat. He was in danger. So what did he learn? He learned one thing that even at the worst of times, we need to respect the fathers. He learned also that God who begins a good work will perform it through us. And the third thing is, what's the third point? God can do, God can use anybody to do his work. Great lesson. Including you guys, including our little group of Timothys here. Can God use you guys? Yeah, he can. He used, and he used Paul's nephew. And adults, this isn't just a kid's message. You understand that, don't you? This is for all of us. God can use us where he has us. Paul's nephew happened to be in the right place at the right time to do God's work. And we need to take from that that we are in our workplace, we're in our schools, we're where God wants us to be so God can use us. God can use you and God can use me even during those tough times. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenge about Paul's trip, um, beginning of Paul's trials. Lord, I pray that even when things get tough and we, we, we may face those days in our lives, we need to be respectful of those who are in authority. Remembering that you're in control, the heart, king's heart is in your hands, that you put the governments in power, or we need to be people who show respect to those in authority. Lord, I thank you for the promise you gave Paul that he was he was going to preach the gospel in Rome. And that reminds me of the fact that you who've begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for the wonderful story of Paul's nephew. You can use anybody to do your work, no matter how small or minor or how insignificant they might seem. Thank you for these great truths, Lord. As we go forth this week, remind us of them as we go through the everyday issues we face throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray.